Welcome back to Aliyah Yomi. Today we're going to be learning Kisisa Shvi'i, the seventh Aliyah in Pasha's Kisisa. The topic of our Aliyah is beams of light and the veil. We now hear that Moshe Rabbeinu receives these second Nuchas and now comes down from the mountain. And what happens as he comes down from the, the mountain is quite a remarkable moment. The, the, our Aliyah is um, to be found at the very, very end. It's a short Aliyah, Perik Labadana, Pasuk Chav Zayin, to Perik and the, the, the general topic we're trying to understand over here is that as he comes down, he after being up on the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights without eating, this is a, a obviously a very um, a, a very spiritual existence in which Moshe Rabbeinu is subsisting of spiritual energy, not physical energy. And he comes down and he doesn't realize that that his face is shining as Hashem spoke to him. And the people see him and they can't, they can't. They're fearful. He's, he's, he's luminate, luminescent. So they, 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 they call to him. They explain what's happening. And Moshe Rabbeinu then decides to take a massive, a, a veil he places over his face. And whenever he speaks to the community, he puts the, the veil on. And whenever he's away from them and he's, and he's with Hashem, that's when he takes off the veil. Very, very powerful, very beautiful aliyah. A lot of questions to understand over here. And the first question is, is what does it mean? Where does this light come from? Why is this happening now? Why specifically at this point in time? So it's worthwhile noting that this actually is a matter of very interesting debate over centuries. Um, if one goes to Rome, there is a, um, a beautiful carving of Moses by Michelangelo. And in that carving, one will notice that Atop his head are two horns. And the idea that Jews have horns is um, is comes from this, from the misunderstanding, from the misunderstanding uh, that kikoran or panav does not mean from the word keren like a horn, but rather karan as a beam of light. So what, it, it is a matter which has obviously had mis, misunderstanding, mistranslation over the centuries. But where do they actually? come from as well. So there are three suggestions which are made in the Midrash. Um, and, uh, and, they're, and they're all um, ideas which are worth understanding and appreciating as well. So let's, 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 let's dive straight into, into the ideas. So idea number one, where did, the beam, where did these beams of light come from? So the Yalkut Shimoni says that the one option is is that Moshe Rabbeinu was in this cleft of the rock when Hashem came by him. And in that cleft of the rock, he was exposed to the infinite. And that left a mark upon him, which was the light of his, on his forehead. The second option the Midrash says is the Luchos were given to Moshe. They were six by six. They were huge stones, but he couldn't hold them himself. So he held two Tfachim, two, two uh, little um, handbreadths on his side. And Hashem, so to speak, held the two on the other end. And the Karne Hod, the, these, these beautiful beams of light, came from the middle two area between where Moshe Rabbeinu and Hashem was. Very interesting what that means. And finally, the third perspective of the Yalkut says is the extra ink was from the writing of the Torah. Moshe Rabbeinu dabbed on his forehead. There was a little bit of extra ink. So a lot of interesting things to think about over here. So let's just try to look at each one of those ideologically, the cave. What's interesting is, is that perhaps what the Torah is saying is in order to be able to receive the Torah, you need to have a nekrasatsur. You need to have a place which is distinct from society, the ability to be able to be alone, the ability to be able to think about things without being 
and be, being connected to society as a whole. That was Moshe Rabbeinu's Nikras Atzor. I remember sometimes seeing people, you know, where they walk in the street. I remember certainly in the city, there were people who would walk along in the street with a boombox on their shoulder while they're having a conversation with, with uh, friends. And it's, it's an amazing thing, almost as if part of their identity is connected to the music that they have to be um, expressing at the same time. Um, we need to have the time to be alone. There was a New York Times article which described that there was a... Um, a um, experiment which was conducted where a person was left in a room and they had the option of either waiting by themselves or um, there was a 9 volt battery they could shock themselves since so they were left alone for 15 minutes with a shock administering device and um, what was interesting is that over that period of time 66, 67% of men and 25% of women chose to zap themselves rather than do nothing I don't, don't know what that says about men um, but what is interesting about it is, I mean, the average amount of shocks was about um, uh, uh, the average number of shocks was about three, or but um, there was one person who did it 190 times to themselves. What it is is that they, they the, the the conclusion they gained from this was that people are more concerned, would rather take pain than be completely alone without anything to do or thinking to themselves. The first thing we need to do to find that hide, to find that the light of Hashem, is to be able to have the space of being alone. The second perspective part is the middle perspective. And this, right, J.J. Schachter suggests a very beautiful, beautiful perspective. And that is, is that it's hard to live in the extremes. You know, there's, there's parts of the, this world where Hashem holds it, and there's parts of the world where we think we hold it. Those are the extremes. So we need to say, if you've got an apartment overlooking the Kotel, you're looking at the Harabais, it's, it's, too, it's too intense. It's very hard to, 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 to sort of live with that reality. Also, it's very hard to find God in Times Square, Times Square, which is all just about consumerism and, uh, and showiness and people. It's fake, it's, hu- it's commercial, it's human. That's, that's a very hard place. You need to find the in-between places, not the places where human beings are holding, not the place where Hashem is holding. It's the middle two, middle two Tvachim, which is where Hashem is found. That's the second explanation. And finally, the, the third explanation of the extra ink. Why is the extra ink? The extra ink is because perhaps Moshe Rabbeinu was, the message that Moshe Rabbeinu was saying is, the Torah has not been finished written, yet being, being written. Yes, the actual Torah that we have in the Ark is a complete document, and if it's missing one, one letter, then, it's, then there's a significant problem. However, ideologically, the Torah has not been written, being written because we are the carriers of that tradition. Our identity is linked in carrying the torch that our parents sacrificed for, and our parents' parents sacrificed for, and our parents' parents' parents sacrificed for in order to get to this point. That is the, 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 the story that we tell and we continue to, 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 to read. That is the notion of the extra ink. There is a different way of looking at this as well. And this comes back to the idea of the veil. It seems that why why was he putting on the veil? The most basic idea, of course, Ibn Ezra points out, is that people shouldn't get afraid because there's just too much light. Um, the Kleyako says that perhaps it was for, for Moshe Rabbeinu as well because people were just gazing at him. So Moshe Rabbeinu was, he was a very um, a humble person. So in order to do that, he put on the veil. However, there's another very, very famous and beautiful idea, which is the idea that Rebekah Eger suggests. And he says that really, actually, Moshe Rabbeinu was veiling his humility to become a leader. In order to be a leader, you can't allow your more um, empathetic, your more sensitive soul to be tainted or to be, to be bullied by the world. You need to cover up that humility in order to be a good leader. But when you come back to your private chambers, when you come up to your relationship with God, you need to take the veil off because that's not really the mask. That's not, really who, that, that's not who you are. It's only the covering as well. Now, as creative and as beautiful an idea that this is, where, how does that fit into the words? Nobody said anything about humility over here. So why is Rekiva Ega saying this? So the suggestion I'd like to make is very simple. Why was there extra ink in the Torah? 
that going with the idea that, 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 that the reason why his face was, was shining was the extra ink. We looked at just a second ago that the extra ink is because the story is still being told. But perhaps we can ask the question differently. Why would there be extra ink? Meaning this wasn't as if that, uh, you know, that the department that was in charge of um, get, getting a shipment of, of supplies um, over-ordered for the Sefer Torah. This was HaKadosh Baruch Hu telling Moshe Rabbeinu to write the Torah. So there was the exact amount necessary. So why was there extra? The answer is that there was a few times when Moshe Rabbeinu um, did a slight, slight change. Not in the words, but the size of the letters. As an example, the beginning of Sefer Vayikra, it says Vayikra, but the Aleph of Vayikra is Ze'era. It is small. Why is the Aleph of Vayikra small? So Rashi Khan's already quoting the Medrash. That because there was a debate between Hashem and Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe wanted to write it as Vayikara. Hashem chanced upon Moshe, which indicated that Moshe Rabbeinu was not in fact, wasn't as if Hashem was planning on seeing Moshe, which would give Moshe a lot of tremendous credence. No, he wants to say Vayikara, like Bilam, Hashem chanced upon him. Hashem said, no, I, I specifically chose you, which is why it's Vayikra. I called to you directly. So the compromise is Moshe Rabbeinu made it a small aleph, which uh, undermines his idea. So a little bit of extra ink was a function of what? Humility. Another example. It says in Parashas Baal Oesra, Va'ish Moshe Anav Mo'od. Moshe Rabbeinu was extremely humble. But guess who is writing that? Moshe Rabbeinu. You'll notice something interesting about the word Anav is it's misspelled. It's missing a Yud. It should be Aleph, Ein, Nun, Yud, Vav. But it's Ein, Nun, Vav. Where did the extra Yud go? Well, that's Moshe Rabbeinu expressing the very idea that the word is, which is humility. He didn't want to really say that he's humble. So he kind of took a little piece of it out. So the, the extra ink comes from many of these instances are an expression of the humility of God. He put that ink on his forehead and his forehead shone forth. That was an expression of his true humility. However, to be a leader, you can't be so humble. There are going to be times when you put your foot down, you need to say who you are and what you need because you are representing a value higher than you. That being the case, that is why Moshe Rabbeinu had to cover it. But the beautiful thing, as, as Rabbi Kevaker points out, is that when he comes back to his private chambers, he did not change. He did not become the mask. He did not become this person who was about power, about leadership. He was really still that same beautiful, tender, and empathetic Moshe Rabbeinu at heart. With this, we conclude the seventh aliyah and Pasha's Kisisa. In the meantime, have a wonderful and meaningful day.